Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. God, we thank you so much for this incredible moment just before you. Thank you for all that you have just been doing with us through these days and even today. And thank you for all that you will yet do. We just open out our hearts today. We ask you to speak to us in a way that is so simple that we would understand. But let it be so profound that it will make a mark in our lives forever. We love you. We'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, what a joy to be here today. And, um, you know, at the start of every year, I'll tell you the truth, um, Renew Conference is like just what I'm looking forward to when it doesn't hold. It's like something is missing in my year. And that's really just to come and attend and to be inspired and, you know, just be blessed. And um, getting to speak to you today is such a humbling privilege, and I'm grateful. And um, I must say that, you know, it's actually very relieving that it's freeing that I'm doing this after um, what Pastor Femi has done and Jeremiah and, you know, Chris. It's freeing because you're already blessed, so, (laughs) you know, it's just fine. Um, But I should say that I'm really grateful for City Church. I'm grateful for every one of you that serves. I, I can't. Chris said it so absolutely that you guys are amazing and um, just the amazing team and leaders and everybody here. My wife and I, um, she was here on Monday but had to go, but my wife and I are so grateful for, I would say for Pastor Femi and um, Tosin, we really grateful for just all that we share and um, I always say that they are two of the most incredible people that we know and um, we learn a lot from them. Um, I don't appreciate this guy's bullying, but... (laughs) Um, and to be honest, I really don't appreciate, I, I don't really regard his support for us now. Um, <coughs> but I'm just deciding not to say anything about soccer today. Um, if I was going to say something about soccer, <laughs> I would have reminded you that Arsenal has not won the league in your children's <laughs> lifetime. But, but I'll not say anything about soccer today. Um, Let's, let's just talk about God's word. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm married and we have two kids. And <laughs> my wife is, I would, say, I would say my wife is the most awesome part of our marriage. And um, we have two kids. Earlier this year, we were um, away on holiday with the family. And I was trying to do all the intentional parenting I could. You know those moments you get with your kids and you're just trying to watch them and all of that. And... I noticed, I couldn't help but notice that my children were wasting food. I wasn't happy about it. Like, you just put all this food on a plate and then you don't finish it. Um, Do you guys like dry jokes, by the way? (laughs) Because there's a quick solution if you want your family to finish food. Um, Just get a recipe from Finland. It will be finished food. But anyway. um, (laughs) But I was trying to do, I I was trying to do all the all the intentional parenting that I could and all of that. And I just noticed 
this, they, they were wasting food. So one morning, I, I said, I'm going to have a strong conversation. So I called in my daughter first, and she's, at the time she was five years old, I called her in and I started telling her how God doesn't like you wasting food. I was telling her about the parts of hellfire food wasters will stay. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. I promise I didn't. But, but how many of you parents know that sometimes you're about to say so? Anyway, don't let's talk about that. And, and I was just telling her, no, you can't do this. Um, you know, you ha people are hungry. Not everybody has food and all of that. And she was starting to look sober. And then I just got to the moment I brought out my phone and I said, do you know there are people in the world that are hungry, children that are hungry? And then I just went to Google um, starving black children, brought out these images and some kids with their ribs and all of that. And I showed her, I said, what do they look like? And she's like, they look hungry. And I'm like, yes. So now you're going to ask God to forgive you and repent. And then, you know, she starts praying and asking God to forgive her and all of that. Okay. And then, um, I then, I'm done with her. Ne next up is my son. I call him in. He's four years old. And then um, um, he comes in. And then I start the whole process again. And then I'm telling him, you must not waste food. And do you know? Now, for context, my daughter eats a lot more. She's more chubby. My son, here and there, my wife will say she can see a rib, you know, and all of that. Anyway, so I'm, I'm like, you know, it's not good to waste food. God doesn't like this. You can't do this like that. And I'm saying all that I can say. And then I bring out the picture again and I ask him, I say, what do they look like? And he says, they look like me. <laughs> and, and it's over. That's all. That's all. No more conversation. Um, apparently, the starvation problem is in my house, you know, <laughs> and all of that. But those, those words, honestly, rung really heavy in my heart, and they ring really heavy in my heart, even just standing here tonight. Uh, they look like me. Um, in many ways, as I look around this room today and I see all of us, I feel like we look alike, don't we? We all look like a people that are determined and, you know, being inspired towards a mission that God has called us to. Um, and standing here and sharing this with you is not speaking from a place of, you know, everything that I have conquered. But I feel like we look the same. We have a divine assignment that is set in the context of our humanity. And we're trying to figure all of this out because we do have our human limitations. And especially we face a lot of opposition. So I've been asked to speak to you just around that space of how we can be on the mission. And we can be effective on the mission in the face of opposition, okay? So I hope that I can share a few things with you today. I'll try and walk a story. We'll just talk a bit. And just a few things that can probably help us as we figure this out, okay? Um, do you know this whole um, what I ordered versus what I got then? Um, have you ever been a victim of it, maybe, um, in some way or the other? You know, in an era of online shopping, you know, you sit down, you see these beautiful pictures, and you're like, yeah, and you place an order, and then when it comes, you sit on the floor, you are crying, like... I really didn't see that coming. Maybe on, you, you looked online and you saw um, this, you know, all these guys that do business and they'll tell you that there's this suit and you were looking at your build and it was like a fine white fitted suit. Like the way you even saw it, you were just imagining how it would be like dry, like, you know. And then you ordered it and when it came and you wore it, you, is this a lab coat? Like, yeah. you know, basically. Or maybe for you, it's even in marriage. Like you saw the girl, this, oh, and you... Mm, then the first night after your wedding, um, she removed the hair, she removed the nails, she removed the teeth. You're like, if you remove one more thing, you remove the ring. If you remove one more thing. I remember in the early days of our church, and you know, you see a lot on TV and you just get inspired. And I would see these churches that have all these lights and everything. And I remember going online one day and I was just searching. I need some color on my stage. And I was just searching through. And then I just saw this thing and I'm like, man, I hit a mega deal because it was really cheap. 
But I just, the way it looked, the way the picture looked, I was just seeing all these colors and what it would do on the stage. And I remember ordering it and all of that. And the day it came, I was thinking that like five guys were even going to carry it. They called us that that come. And my guy came into my office with this thing in his hand. <laughs> yeah. Today, what I want to do, um, I'm going to show you just a bit of that kind of what I ordered, what I got thing. But I'm going to walk it through the story of Moses. So... I'm going to start out from Exodus chapter 4, and I'll be reading from verse 1, and just kind of walking the story with you. Um, and from verse 1 of Exodus chapter 4, the Bible says that the Lord, Moses answered and said, but suppose they do not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So Moses cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And the Bible says these words, Moses fled from it. And you know, for many of us, that's actually where this story would end. Like, I throw out my rod, it becomes a serpent, I'm running and I'm not stopping. What's most intriguing to me is that the guy even stopped at some point. Like, I just keep running. And sometimes in the tension of God actually preparing us as his own, as a people on mission and all of that, sometimes we do come to these places where if we're not careful, if we're not staying through the story with what God is doing, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to run off with half-truth. Do you know what it would, like? it would be like for Moses to be talking to one of his friends that night and telling them, guys, do you know what happened? God took over my life. God turned my rod to a serpent. Wicked God. And in a sense, it happened, but it's just not the complete story. And so, can I encourage us today, let's just start out and remind ourselves that in this moment of what God is doing and how God is equipping us and how God is sending us, yesterday Pastor Femi was tracking this journey from the calling to the consecration to the commission. And just this thing of staying through with what God is doing in our lives so that we will not be people running with a half, a half of what God is doing, that God turned my rod to a serpent and that's the end of the story. I don't want a half, I don't want a passion that, you know, yeah, I'm just running with a passion but lacking the knowledge. I don't want, you know, just a sense of there is a knowledge but, and there's all that, I can break it out and explain it but I'm not just receiving the power. I want the full picture of what God is doing in my life. And in verse 4, the Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. If I'll just jump to verse 17, it says, And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. You know, the story gets really beautiful for Moses, right? You go home that day and, you know, as you even read on in the book of Exodus, the Bible starts to call what was the rod of Moses. It starts to call it the rod of God in his hand. You know, this rod thing really works. If you are Moses, don't you just, can't you just think of how amazing it would be to go home that day, literally, with a rod that you can drop on the ground and it just wiggles into a serpent. And then you touch it and it comes back. And we see Moses actually doing so many things. God working amazing things through Moses on this thing that God has sent Moses to do. As Moses goes into Egypt, we see Moses striking a rock and, you know, water is gushing out of the rock. We see, you know, Moses stretching the rod over the Red Sea and it's parting. And, you know, in that moment, all the Israelites are crying. And Moses just says, you know, calm down, guys. And he stretches out the rod and he just parts. And, you know, from the back, everybody, more baba. But let's step in Moses' shoes for a minute. 
you were busy minding your own business, doing what you knew was safe, you had found a safe life, you had run away, but you had spent so many years and it kind of brought your life together again. And then God starts nudging you towards more. God comes to you just in the place of your work, just in the place of your nine to five, and then God starts nudging you to more. The point where something in you starts to know that ah, maybe there's something more than just my bills and my meals. Maybe there's more that God wants to do in my life. Maybe there's something more than just waking up every morning and going to that same place of work. And maybe God is really trying to do something more. So God comes to him basically and starts nudging him like there's this thing I'm doing and I want you to be part of it. And um, can I suggest to us that really your nine to five, I do believe has a lot more value than just feeding your family and buying a house. I do believe God still wants to come to us in that place and say, I can use you. I can do more with your life. There is mission value on your rod. There's mission value on your work too. There is mission value on the very things that you think are just waking up every day and going back you know, to bed. And so what was just the rod of Moses becomes the rod of God. And can you see the excitement of Moses as he goes back home that night and he's going back with his rod and he's like, he's like, baby, I, I can't believe it. God is going to use us. You know, if I was Moses, I probably wouldn't even drop that rod when I'm sleeping. It's so precious to me now. I would cuddle it all night. Um... Back in the days when one sheep annoys you and you just slam it on the ground, I will never slam that rod again. If I was Moses, I would probably spend the whole night that first day even just practicing this thing, like put it down, serpent, touch it, rod. I'll practice a few times just to be sure, right? Just to be sure. And you keep going that serpent, rod, serpent, rod. Then I, I think like I'll start getting comfortable with the adventure and I'll start doing different things like just dropping it when I'm about to sleep and the serpent is just wiggling around in case thieves come and then I'll just like sleep off. Then when I wake up, I'll be like, uh, where is it? There you go, Rod. <laughs> where my children misbehave. Here's what I'll ask them. Do you want a smack of the rod or a drop of the rod? Which do you prefer? <laughs> They'll be like, smack me, dad, smack me. <laughs> but I think sometimes we honestly read through the Bible, and maybe we don't stop enough to even just walk the emotional journey that some of the characters are in. Because there's a moment in this Moses story that I actually want us to spot. Just Moses and Aaron now get into Egypt, and they get to Pharaoh. And I can imagine as they now, you know, we've practiced this thing. I've done it again and again, I'm sure. And now we get to Pharaoh. I feel like as we're walking into the palace, if I'm Moses, I'm Aaron. I can't wait to get to the rod part. All the explanation before, it's like, let's get to the rod part. Bam, there you go. Like, like let's get there. <laughs> Pharaoh, this is your talk, everything. Like, I'm just waiting. This is what we came from the wilderness for. This is our big move. This is a God thing. This is, you know, the, the anointing that we found in the wilderness that God sent us with. I can't wait to get to that part. And so as all the conversations are going on, as the, the security guys are asking, who do you want to see? We're just, you know when you, you know you have a stunt. I'm just like <laughs> chewing gum, like <laughs> all of you today, you will know what's up. 
And so in Exodus chapter 7, we pick up the story in verse 10. And Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh. And the Bible says they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants. And guess what? It worked. It became a serpent. Good stuff. Good one. You can see the laugh, the like Aaron and Moses. <laughs> They start celebrating like they just won the Champions League. Like when Arsenal, no, sorry. Like when <laughs> Liverpool won the Champions League, they're like celebrating. They're like excited. Like, whoa. <laughs> but look at, look at verse 11. I'm here. I do what I want. <coughs> look at verse 11 for a minute. The Bible says, let's watch the story. We're walking in Moses' shoes. You're excited. It's working. God has sent you. Well, mission for God. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with enchantments. Verse 12. For every man threw down his rod. Everybody. <laughs> and the Bible says they became serpents. Hold it there for a minute. So here you are. I'm the man of God. I'm on mission. We just got out of renew. I'm determined. God has empowered us. We walk out. We're going into those Egypt places. We're missional. And we get there. And the thing that we feel is special as we just drop it. All the Egyptians just do the same. I don't know if it was for two minutes. I, I know you already know where this story is going. But I don't know how long that moment was. Whether it was for 10 seconds, whether it was for one hour, whether it was for 10 minutes. But there was the moment. Pharaoh basically just laughs at Moses and Aaron's best stunt, and he calls Janice and Jambres, and they do the exact same thing. I feel like for Moses, this is the big what I ordered versus what I got moment. I set out believing like as I drop it. Today we're leaving Egypt. <laughs> and here I am. My best God thing has just been replicated <laughs> right here. This was not the plan. Not the plan. I set out on this mission so confident in God's ability. I was ready to shake Egypt to its knees. Now my biggest. You know if you still have one more after this. But I've done the biggest. And I feel like there's that tension I want to speak into today. There's that moment that many of us will deal with as we go out. That there's a moment where you're doing what you know to do, but the Egyptian serpents are also wiggling. So I do know, obviously, in Scripture, eventually, you know, Moses' rod swallowed theirs and, you know, I don't know how the story went. He probably picked it up and they all started begging for their own rods back. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want you to hold that picture in your mind and see where all the rods are on the ground. And you really just feel opposed where you should be thriving. Let me show you the words in 2 Timothy, um, um, Paul writing about this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 8. It says, now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. Do you ever feel like truth is resisted? Some translations say opposed, some say withstood. 
Like we feel like we're out on this and I just feel that sense of, of, I feel like I should just be thriving here. I feel like I started out the conversation with my colleague and it should just go all the way like smoothly. I played it out in my mind. I'm, I'm anointed and appointed and elected and selected, but opposed. Maybe sometimes you're even just feeling like the devil is making this thing hard. You know the thing with the devil? He's not just the devil. He's the real devil. He does what the devil does. <laughs> like he's just making it hard. Sometimes just about being, on, just being in that life, I just feel overwhelmed. I feel the way that you're walking through moments. Sometimes you can't even explain it with words. It's just like a heaviness. I feel like this thing was more powerful in the wilderness. So. I felt more powerful in the wilderness. When I practiced that conversation in front of the mirror, it felt like it would go smoothly. <laughs> but now we're in the middle and I just feel opposed. I feel like my voice is swallowed in just the noise of everything around. Sometimes it's even economic resistance. Like you feel like, yeah, I am ready to do this great thing for God. And then, you know, the economy just replies you. Um... But let's look through the lens of Moses today and see if there are one or two things that can help us as we consider his story. Moses, what do I do when I feel like truth is resisted? Um, the big idea that I'll try and just speak around is we don't want to be limited or restrained in just the moment of what is going on. We don't want to be so limited in our perspective. The truth is this, friends, we can't afford to just be swamped into the moments and reach conclusions about what we're seeing right now, that the Egyptian rod is wiggling with the God. Oh, this thing doesn't work. Or, oh, we're just restrained. Oh, this is just the end of the story. We can't be restrained or just limited in our perspective. I want to say to us today, friends, if I can say this in the simplest of words, in the midst of our most intense moments, God is still intentional. When you feel like this is more intensity than I planned for. This is more just hitting back at me than I planned for. I'll just be trying to show you in a few moments that God is still intentional. What we're going to find as we walk the story with Moses is that at the end of the day, we would find that he's not just the God of the eventually. He's the God of the all the while. He's not just the God that eventually showed up. He's the God that was with Moses in everything. He was as God when the Egyptian serpents were wiggling with the Israeli serpent. He was as God on the toughest days that you felt you had no answer. He was as God when you felt restrained. He was as God, not just in the eventually, but in the all the while. It was always the grace of God that was holding us. You know, sometimes we feel like this came so close. And it's like, ah, maybe it was the leniency of the devil. It was never the leniency of the devil. It was the grace of God that kept us. <sighs> Let me bring this. I'll say six things quickly. Here's how I'd advise Moses and what Moses would also be saying to us. If somebody can come on the keyboard, is it too early to start from this spiritual? <laughs> Not too early. Thank you. Um, I was just going to bring him up at the end, but Christian didn't use, so I just said, let me combine Chris. And my <laughs> <laughs> in another life, I'll have Chris build, like, <laughs> in another life. <laughs> All right. 
First thing I'll say to Moses, Moses, I know you're looking right now and all that you see is the wiggling of my serpent and of the Egyptian serpent. And in that moment, we're just holding it there. I know something is about to happen, but we're holding it there. And as Moses is starting to get overwhelmed in all of this, it's not working. Why did God put me here? And all this resistance and opposition. The first thing I'll say to Moses is, Moses, look not just to what you're seeing, look to what's above. Look to what's above. Moses, you can get so swamped into just looking at all of this and judging your life at the level of the resistance that's coming at you. But Moses, God taught us to look to what's above, that in the middle of what's facing us and all of this, we need to learn what it means to look up to God. We need to learn that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We need to know how to start to engage heaven when there's resistance right here. We need to learn how to start to engage God and how to look above and call upon God in the face of the resistance. Moses, don't limit your life and your perspective to what's just going on here and say this is all, it's the resistance and all of this. Remember there was a God who called you. Remember there was a God who sent you. Remember there was a God who came to you and put you into that. He's not setting you up just to be a victim. And we need to learn in those moments to look to God. Let's remember to pray. Let's remember to call upon God. The second thing I'll say today to you, Moses... And Moses will be echoing back as we look through the story. First of all, look to what's above. But in the midst of all the opposition and the resistance that we face, Moses, look to what's beneath. Look to what's above. And again, look to what's beneath. I'll tell you the truth, friends, in the most intense moments that I've ever walked and just doing this journey and all of that, I've had low times. I've had very, very low times. But guess what? My lowest times and as low as low has got... I'll tell you the truth, I've never been lower than his hands. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 26, There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge. Now I love this line. And underneath are his everlasting arms. Underneath are his everlasting arms. When I feel like I'm resisted, I feel like there's a position, I feel like I'm on a low. Guess what? He's still underneath, underneath. Moses, look to what is holding you up. Look to what is sustaining you in the, mo in the middle of all that you are going through. Underneath are his everlasting arms. Friends, we may have low moments. Sometimes we feel discouraged. Sometimes we feel like, I thought this would go better. I thought that conversation would come better. I expected more. At this stage, I had it planned out. I had it figured out. My rod is wiggling with the Egyptian rod. But beneath are his everlasting arms. Moses, look to what's above. Look to what's beneath. I'll tell you the truth. Just planning church and doing all of that, I've had desperate moments had times that I cried, that I walked into church, and I'm sure you can relate, you cried through, you're crying in worship, you're crying, not the spiritual type, the pain type, crying, clueless what to do, sometimes you just kind of have just a little nudge of faith enough to come up here and say something, but as you go back there, you're thinking, what did I just say? How is that going to happen? And the mental battles sometimes, panic attacks. But I'll tell you what, I've never been lower than the reach of his arms. Beneath, 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 beneath are his everlasting arms. Moses, look to what's above. Moses, look to what's beneath. Third thing I would say to you today, Moses, look to what's left. Look to what's above. Look to what's beneath. Look to what's left. Hey, Moses, don't come to hopeless conclusions in a God story. I know right now you're saying, but look at the wiggling, look at the wiggling, look at the wiggling. Listen, God is not in what's lost. God is always in what's left. 
I'll say that again. God is not in what's lost. Oh, God is not in the five years that I should have done that if I started that before. If 20 years ago we engaged Muslims better, God is in what's left, not in what's left. Oh, but five years ago I had better opportunities with my children. I know, but God is not in what's lost. He's in what's left. Listen to what the prophet asked that woman. He said, what do you have left in your house? The miracle is in what's left. So why, why was your husband? I know we've had our failures, but God is in what's left. Moses looked to what's left. What I would say is the story is still being told. I know right now there's a wiggling of the Egyptian and of the Israelite, but, but let's see this story out. Let's look to what's left. We are never a people without hope. We, our mission is not a hopeless mission. We are not victims. We are never a people that are just abandoned in the middle of all of this. And God, let's look to what's left. God is still doing more. God's purpose will still stand. God will still prosper his purpose in us. Let's hold on to a hope that we haven't yet seen God do all that he can do. In the midst of the resistance that we face, let's remember, friends, our God has not run out of options. Our God has not run out of options. You know, sometimes you're feeling like Elijah and you're, you're educating God about, you know, his work, like I'm the only one. And it's like a joke. Like, it's our limited perspective. Our God has not run out of options. And so, sometimes... It's honestly painful in the moment. I will not in any way deny that. Sometimes it's painful. You lose an opportunity. You know, something hit hard. Remember at some point in church, we had even paid for a venue. We, were, we had it up to here. And you know how you've searched. You've done everything. You had it up to here. And we finally got something. And we were too excited about it. And had even paid for it. And just ridiculously, it just turns against you and all of that. But I will never put myself in a position i never want to put myself in a position where i think like god is in what's lost god is always in what's left he's always in the hope of what is to come not in the loss that we have suffered amen amen, amen. moses let's tell you one more thing three more things actually um i've said god is in what's above i've said god is in what's beneath i've said god is in what's left um in the mo in the moment where you see the wiggling of the serpent moses remember that the rest of the story is the best of the story our mission has a future um we're not locked in here um this is the this is the thing let me stay on this for a minute this is the thing because you know the truth is we kind of all know where the story ends it's just that sometimes we don't know how it will get there right but we know where we know that our savior is victorious right we know where this story ends we just don't always know how it would get there and uh, when, when i was when i was um much younger um, I don't know how many of you know the book called Lacombs. Lacombs. How many people know the book called Lacombs? Let's just do a generation check. Some people are like, what's that? <laughs> you know, like, 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 what's Lacombs? Like, like, you know, POV is we're trying to know what Lacombs is, all right? So, so, so there was this book. It was like a math textbook. I don't know about you, but I was of the persuasion that the guy Lacombs was a very wicked man. Because, you know, you just assemble these mathematical problems and we're all supposed to be like solving it. And, but here's the good thing about Lacombs. Here's the good thing about Lacombs. Lacombs, um, when they give you all the questions that you have to solve, at the back, there's the answer. You know, so, um, so, so, so he puts out the answers at the back. So here's what typically happens. You are solving this question, and there's like five into bracket, this minus that, and you're solving for X, basically, right? And you're looking for X. You can't find X. You know, you have, <laughs> it's like X ran away. So you are, you are doing all of that. 
And then usually you get to that point. I don't know about you, but you would have a three and a two. You're now not sure, am I to subtract? Am I to add? Am I to multiply? We kind of cross the bracket. I'm not sure if it's two. And it's three and it's two. Maybe just by the nudging of the spirit. You just decide to see what is Lacombe's opinion. And at the back, you see a five. And um, you kind of remember that, yeah, I was supposed to have plus. So you, you just come back and then you put a plus equals five. Underline, 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 final answer five, right? Good. <laughs> but, but, but here's the beauty. Here's the beauty. You know, you're stranded in a moment. But what you've just done is that you've leveraged on an end that is fixed to come and put wisdom in the now. And here's how I want to live my life because honestly, sometimes I have the wiggling and the wiggling, but guess what? We have an end that is fixed. Our Savior is victorious. Here's how the mission is going to end. We are conquering. We are winning. Christ is victorious. And I want to bring that into my now and let that be my wisdom in the now. But if anything, I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't want to be in the now and just feel like I'm a victim. Moses looked to what's left. Fourth thing I'll say today, I said look to what's above, look to what's beneath, look to what's left. Guess what? Look to what's right. Look to what's right. And here I really want to challenge us that in obedience we look to what's right. Don't let the pressure and the desperation make us start, you know, building all these gimmicks for ourselves and all these schemes because there's a wiggling of the Egyptians and of mine and maybe I just need to, like, I started out in the spirit but maybe I just kind of need to figure it out in the flesh now. Let's look to what's right. Paul says in Acts 26 verse 19, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Let's do God's work in God's way. Let's do God's work believing God's word. Let the power still be the gospel. Let the gospel still be the power. Let's not just believe, listen, let's not just believe that the gospel is true, so we're preaching it because it's true. Let's actually believe that the gospel works. Because if the gospel needs to be assisted, then it's a weak gospel, so why are we preaching it? Let's believe that it works. Let's do what's right. Let's look to what's right. I know sometimes you see the wiggling and you feel like maybe we need to assist God here, right? Like God has done his best, maybe we need to assist him and we start to come up with all these schemes and all these gimmicks and what have you. Let's do what's right. Let's walk in love. Let's walk. Let's live by faith. Let's keep our focus on who Jesus is. Fifth today. Two more things and I'm done. Fifth today. Um, Moses, let's look to what's around. Look to what's around. I really, I'm just hoping that Somebody will be encouraged just walking out of here because I do feel, and I don't know about you, but many times I stand in that tension moment of resistance. Like the Egyptian rods are wiggling just next to mine. There's something beautiful about looking towards around because, listen, God is working. God is working. Um, the Bible says that we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. There's just something beautiful about looking and seeing God is working. One of the things that blesses me the most, even just about being here, both in these sessions and even just backstage, just having conversations, is seeing that, man, God is working. There's a beauty of all that God is doing. And so in the midst of, uh, I'm still trying to figure this out, but the beauty is what I'm connected to is working. 
what I'm a part of is working. Let's, let's not just be these isolated people just trying to figure out. Chris did a great job about us just being a part of something, looking towards around. A community, Exodus 17 verse 12. Listen to how the, the verse starts. And you know the story of Israel fighting war and all. Moses' hands became heavy. And honestly, this happens to me many times. So they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And the Bible says, Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. This is the beauty for me. The hands that started out being heavy, the Bible says, and his hands were steady. We start out seeing Moses' hands are heavy. We ended seeing Moses' hands are steady. Why? Because of they. They, until the going down of the sun. I just want to encourage us today that we not just approach the conversation of being in the middle of figuring out our mission and all that God has sent us to and the weakling and the desperate times we do in isolation, but that we learn what it means to look around. I'm grateful for Christian community. I'm grateful for just the sparks and sparks and sparks that surround me in all that God is doing. Finally today, um, Moses in just those desperate moments, look to what's above, look to what's beneath, look to what's left, look to what's right, look to what's around. Finally today, I would say look to what's within. Look to what's within. In Philippians 2 and verse 12, Paul is saying, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God works in you. I want to remind us that there is a God story in us, not just through us. God works in you. And the truth is this, resistance will actually make some of what God is doing in us kick really beautifully. God works in us. That the Holy Spirit is working within us to make us more like Jesus through all these moments and all the resistance and all that we're dealing with that there is actually a work going on in us. That he's building something stronger, and something purer, something truer in us. And so if we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit in our most desperate moments, we would honestly actually find that God is doing more in us than we know he is that um, it's just something beautiful about the gifted and the calling of God within us that starts to resonate and kick in and sound out. Um, so as I lean on the Holy Spirit in my most desperate moments, I realize that I am equipped, I'm gifted, more gifted than I know that I am um, because of his work in me. All that God expects of me, he supplies it in me by his grace. But here's how I would start to pull this together today. On one hand, we all really might be able to relate with um, just those moments and walking through life and the resistance that we all face. Welcome. You look like me. We look like each other. It's life. Egyptian serpents wiggle. Our serpents wiggle. I know we are on mission. I know God has called us, but we do face those moments just before it swallowed us up. But you know, look towards above, look towards beneath and left and right and within and around. That's a lot of sides to keep your eyes on. There's a lot to be trying to do all together. So let me try and give you guys a cheat code. Like cheat codes? Do you use cheat codes? No, I don't, don't answer. <laughs> try and give you a cheat code. So in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22, 
So if you can just come a little lower. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22. Um, says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Verse 23. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. He fills everything in every way. Do you know what we're actually going to find as we're trying to look left and look right and look up? And guess what fills everything yes. in every way? Yes. Guess who fills everything in every way? I look above, I look beneath, I look there, I look there. I guess who I'm actually, the Bible says he fills everything in every way. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, he now brings it in from verse 1, and it's saying, look, you're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm going to verse 3, and it says, therefore, let us run the race that is set before us, you know, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and sat at the right hand of God. Verse 3, I would like to have that on the screen if I can. Thank you. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Guess who we're actually looking to in all of this? Consider him. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So here's what we're actually going to see. So we're looking left and looking right and looking above and looking beneath and actually looking to Jesus. And keeping our eyes on him. In the midst of the wiggling and the Egyptian and the resistance and the opposition. Here we're actually going to see it's Jesus. You know, it's just that serpent rod play out that Moses started out with. And I feel like maybe generations later, many years later, Moses is sitting down with his grandchildren and they're saying, Moses, tell us your stories about serpent and rod. And he's telling them about how I dropped the serpent and I picked it up. And say, many years ago, I dropped the serpent and I picked it up. And that was quite a thing on Pharaoh. But he will tell you, you know what my favorite serpent thing actually was? In John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus says, John 3, verse 14, help me. Jesus says that as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to say today that as we look to him, that's the real point of the whole story, as we look to him, he is life-giving. Maybe you're here today and you feel weary and tired and feel overwhelmed in the middle of the wiggling and you're maybe looking so much to the Egyptian serpents. Maybe we can lift up our eyes today and look to him. He is life-giving. He is life-giving. I came to speak hope to somebody in the middle of discouragement. I came to tell somebody there's more that Jesus has died to do. There's more that he has paid a price for than what we've seen. There's more grace that is already given than what we're walking in. There's more. And as we look to him, he is life-giving. He's life-giving over our lives. He's life-giving over communities. He's life-giving over what he has put in our hands. He's life-giving over our most weary moments. He is life-giving. When we feel like we're dying in the midst of resistance, he is life-giving. And he's lifted up so that we can look to him. I pray today that we're not going to look more to the Egyptian serpents that oppose than we look to the one who is lifted up for us. I pray we're not going to look and analyze. Why did they? Why did they? At this point, I thought and we are just swamped into all of that. That we forget that what this is all about is actually lifting up our eyes and looking to him.
Friends, there could be those moments when you honestly feel like, Phew, I didn't plan for this. Why is this going on here and now? Why is it wiggling? I thought I'd done more than this. I expected more. But I pray today that you see Jesus. You see one who has done it all and has invited us to walk that story with him. And we get the privilege to be a part of his victory. You see one who has sent us on a mission that he has already named victorious. And we get the privilege to be doing it with him. Can we pray together? Jesus, today we look to you. That's just what we want to do. In the middle of all the opposition and the resistance, we look to you. We look to you high and exalted, glorious. We look to you, Jesus, not a savior that we are trying to save, but one who saved us. One who has done everything and calls us to walk that story. We look to you, Jesus. Honestly, we face a lot of resistance and opposition and we do this whole mission thing in a human context. And we know the realities of the pain and the pressure, of feeling overwhelmed, of feeling attacked. We know the realities. But today, God, I just pray that you would make your presence even more real to us. That as we lift up our eyes, we will see you more clearly. We will love you more dearly. And we will follow you more nearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.